0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Stu, we're, we're happy to have you back on the show. Um, we missed you, bud. Uh, it was felt like we we're kind of going back in time with just being Derek and I, so we're glad to have you back.
1: Yeah, you know that upper body injury uh, <laughs> shot uh, just like really uh, just affected like right my, there. Uh, Right, right. Here, ah, yeah, I right had that a few here.
0: weeks ago, too. Yeah, it just uh, really takes you yeah. out
1: of Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, a direct hit to my wallet, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, from uh, for the time being going forward, I'll uh, be appearing on uh, every other uh, podcast. So uh, all our listeners are aware that I won't be available next week. But I'll be back with double reviews of uh, Arrows Games <laughs> firmly in the past. Catching up on a uh, game, you've already seen.
0: We should start doing like a segment where like Stu recaps the episode that we recorded when he wasn't on. Well, just to have him continuously <laughs> evolve. We'll,
2: well, that's why I asked him to do that that two minute video of the picks mainly because, on all honesty, I could have just had Stu like text me what he wanted to pick, <laughs> but we need the toonie. Yeah. So, like, yeah, exactly. Have, like, the visual representation of, of the all. Toony, and it has to be the same toonie, right? Like, we can't yeah, be competing and using different toonies and stuff, right? No, and, no. Then it's just not fair, you know. So uh, we gotta gotta mix in that uh, you have to give us the mandatory at least two minute video, not not for your opinions, but because I need the video of the the toony yeah. being flipped.
1: Wow. Yeah, well, 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 it's one of the uh, unofficial media picks according to uh, the MLR subreddit.
0: So. Yeah, look at that, we're we're hitting the big time, Mister Toonie. <laughs> well, guys, it looks like the Toronto Arrows have uh, run into their boogeyman once again. Uh, the arrows have once again lost to. Uh, the Nolo gold, uh, 22 to 14. It's the only team. Well, other than the guilt but they're, they're the new guys on the block. And I guess any of the new guys, the teams that they've previously played, the the arrows cannot seem to get a win against them. It is like they're, they are the the kryptonite to our Superman. So let's kind of dive into what happened in this game. And, um, Stu, since you weren't here last week, what worked, what, what, what worked well for the arrows in this, in this loss.
1: Well, I just want to say, I don't think it's just New Orleans, the team. It's New Orleans, the city, because the Arrows have now been there twice this season and lost both times there. So, you know, it's that. They're it's all that, for that three. Bayou, it, it's that Bayou hoodoo. That's uh, good. <laughs> um, so, what works well? Uh, I think we can all agree that the opening half was uh, very. Beneficial to the arrows, and you know more more of uh, what we've been used to over the past couple of weeks. Just um, splitting the defense by going from side to side, the backs just, just powering through, as not only proved by Manuel Montero in both his tries, but back uh, the back line as a whole was just uh, powering up, getting the ball through. Um, the scrum that ended the first half was the standard that arrows fans. Of the past uh of 2019 and uh 2020 have come to expect and you know again an absolute monster and then it kind of uh fell away in the second half um i think we'll, uh, we'll
0: get into that later but but was, yeah. was there anything else that you kind of saw that like really like was like yes this is something that they can build on and, and improve
1: uh well it's um hard to tell i'm so I'm going to stick with the first 40 minutes, and then uh, I, was say, I so feel like that's how my, this happens. My, yeah, this now, is now how this has, this has to be broken
2: yeah. up. We got to talk about um, the uh, the first 40, and then the second 40 later. Yeah. Um, All right.
1: Well, I was well, going to say, I, gonna say um, I don't know if you guys or any of our listeners have seen, but uh, Aaron Castro on uh, Twitter saying that he went over the game again, and he was analyzing it uh, through and through, and was for. And I'll just summarize it. I will uh, recommend everyone to go. Uh, read his Twitter thread on the NOLA and Toronto game. It was, you know, it was basically a game for two halves. And it's, and I just want to say it's really weird that we've had that twice in the same day of two MLR games, but we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, uh, so the thorough analysis. But it was essentially that um, the thing that worked for Toronto in the first half was also what worked for NOLA in the second half. Um, so I think. What can be brought away from the positives is, yeah, that tr- uh, the scrum needs to remain in uh, major league rugby. I know they've uh, tried to diminish it with the uh, rules, and you know we've obviously had our opinions on that. But when you have that much strength and that much skill in controlling a scrum and turning it over, especially when it's an opposing scrum as well, that's one of the big cases to maintain right. it.
0: So, how did you feel about the game, Derek? Like, I'll I'll, kind of go quickly because I don't really have much to say in terms of what was positive. I think that um, it was like 40 whole minutes of positive stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Yeah, no, I think that in the first 40 minutes of the game, the Arrows had a pretty cool head. Um, That was something that I've been worried about in previous games. The Arrows kind of, especially in those first two games against Rugby ATL, and we'll talk about them. Um, and also, um, against Utah, it was a big problem, um, them losing their cool and bickering with their wrath and, and kind of making bonehead decisions. I think for this whole game as a whole, there weren't a whole lot of, there were a lot more penalties for the arrows, but it seemed to be them them just being, you know, offside and, you know, uh, you know, kind of just defensive penalties that, that you give up sometimes when a team is pressing. So I was pretty happy with the arrows, um, Uh, penalties that that they, they kind of controlled themselves in the first half again i would love mlr to release what the penalties were and stuff like that as well all i can see is penalties given so you know i could be wrong i could be i could look and they'd all be because of you know poor discipline but from what i remember from the game and what i look at from the stats that is available to me um that is what I see. I see that the arrows did a pretty good job, especially in the first half, kind of controlling the temper. I mean, again, when you're in possession of the ball and scoring two beautiful tries and kind of, you know, pinning the the the, the Nola, NOLA team down, um, you don't tend to give up bonehead penalties. So,
1: yeah. Like, what about
2: you, Derek? Well, I'll just kind of go off that first. It's like, yeah, they obviously the, Ar- the arrows gave up more penalties in the second half than NOLA did, and it was kind of a flip. I think this game's kind of... F- funny in a little bit of a way i feel like you can write out like everything good that happened for toronto in the first half and then you can just kind of like mad lib in nola gold players names instead and it'll be a nice summary of the (laughs) nola Gold second half like i mean like my goodness the argentine winger is having a great half he's got two tries right like it's (laughs) you know there's a whole a whole bunch of things that you can kind of mix into that um but uh, you know, that Canadian outside center is having a great defensive game right now, isn't he? <laughs> but hey, um, that's kind of the way uh, the game went went. But uh, to your point though, Dan, it's like um looking at the some of the Euros penalties and stuff. I mean, there was a handful of like not releasing penalties, which are breakdown steals, right? So it's like um, you know, that's you know, sometimes penalties are just the other team made a good play. That's
0: yeah, that exactly.
2: Is. There uh, there is, of course, to the one offside. That was Jason Higgins kicking the ball and then it get taken by the wind. That was just an absolute freak
0: him. of nature play. That's yeah. like it's like like when Randy Johnson exploded that bird when he threw that pitch. Like yeah, that like just absolutely strange. Mother nature decided to take take part in in the in the play kind of situation there. Yeah. That being said, though,
2: like out of out of the four games that were played, Toronto had the most penalties of any of the uh, the eight teams that did play this weekend and even like uh like Toronto had 15 penalties old glory la combined for 17 right so it's like there there was still a lot I'm just like like there was still a lot and a couple of uh, like a couple of them were kind of big too like there was the um um they had the mall before um Dominguez is first try um I believe it's yeah yeah before Dominguez's first try they had the line out where Paul Cellini actually stole the ball um, in the mall. And then it was blown dead because there was some side entries after I, and it kind of looks like too, like after Cellini had the ball anyways too. Um, so th- th- there's definitely, definitely some penalties in the second half that certainly hurt the Toronto arrows. Um, but I think like as a whole, I think yes, kind of touched on it. The first half was really good. Um the, the attack looked great. The defense looked great. And, you know, they didn't necessarily... Like, NOLA didn't necessarily have the ball a lot, but when they got the ball, they put some pressure on Toronto's defense for sure. And, you know, there there was a cup, There was some decent chunks where they had the ball in the 22 for a little bit. And uh, obviously, like, Lucas Rumball, Mason Flesh had that one really big play to hold up uh, Devin Short over, you know, over the line, hold up and prevent the try there. And you know, so like the defense, the defense was playing really well in the first half too. The attack looked really good. Nola's defense was playing e- like equally as well. Um mm-hmm. so like the attack had to definitely work for it, but they were still like they were still playing really well and they were still able to generate those chances and stuff. Um, you know, t- uh they gener they created a couple penalties that unfortunately Taylor Adams couldn't capitalize on and you know kept the uh kept the scoreboard at just 14. Um and but I think you know kind of looking at it it's it really is it's just like the second half kind of came out and like they just they couldn't touch the ball um there's just like Nola's ball retention in the second half was was amazing and I mean we kind of look at the the game stats at the end of the game here Nola had sixty three percent possession and thirty seven percent was Toronto right so
0: like can you can you uh and I don't know if you can check this Derek with the stats in front of you, but do you have what the, the possession numbers were for the first half?
2: No, I don't have it at the half. Okay. I just have the end. Um, so, but I mean like, yeah, so, but it's like, yeah, 63 to 37, um, you know, it was it's, it's a, that's a significant gap, right? Like that's a big number. Like they just couldn't whatever they did, they just couldn't touch the ball. They made, you know, the arrows made 150 tackles in the game at 86%, which is solid. But like, you know, in comparison, Nola only made 75 tackles. Like they had to make twice as many tackles as Nola in order to, and they did it at the, weirdly enough at the exact same percentage. Um, so Nola missed, Nola missed exactly half as many tackles as Tron too. Um, but I, I think, I think that's kind of, yeah, it was just it was a weird game, like because yeah,
0: I, I think for me it's going to be a game of the, the shoulda coulda wouldas, you know. In, yeah, in yeah. the first half, like the arrows did have possession of the ball a lot, and I think that there were a lot of chances, especially coming from the lineout, where the arrows yeah. will look back on the tape and be like, we should have scored there. Like yeah. their first lineout, like they were like like five meters away from from the the the, the try zone, and they caught the ball cleanly and then they were immediately pushed out and gave up possession. And you know, like the, you know, you can't, you know, Taylor missed two, two penalty kicks in the first half. Like that, those are points. Like if, if he made those points, like going in a bigger lead without it giving them more confidence, like you can't really blame him for that. Like, you know, kickers miss kicks all the time. But for me, the thing that needs improving is, there were opportunities where multiple times, and I use the example of their first lineup of the game, but there were many opportunities where um, possession was, was stolen in the lineout or the lineout was was off. and we've talked about the line out throughout the season. But they—they were just opportunities all through the pitch that the arrows just didn't take advantage. There's a couple of times where they tried to make these, these little switch plays. Like there's two from the first half that really like stick out in my mind. I think Adams Taylor Adams tried to make one and they were really close to the to the try zone. And I can't remember who the other one was. I think it was either Diana or, or or somebody. Um, Montero tried to make like another switch play and and possession was switched again. Like they're they're just like even though they had all this possession they scored two tries i feel like they're, they 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 look at that half and they go we missed out on other opportunities to score and and that might have done them in yeah i mean i think i mean the second half is the second half is what it is you know like well, they the, didn't the sec- play i very mean the, well. sec- the second half is just
2: um, it's but, uh, you know that's why i say it it's like i think if you're looking for a positive the game i think the attack did well um it's just in the second half they didn't have the ball so the you can't attack when you don't have the ball right so I think like overall the attack I thought did pretty well. So my question to Um, you
0: guys is: is not having the ball is that a our defense isn't doing enough, or is it as soon as we get the ball are we turning it over or kicking it away because we have the lead? Like, I don't necessarily think it's the
2: defense isn't doing enough. It's like the like the arrows the arrows had like you know they got they got their like breakdown steals and stuff and they were but it's sometimes it's like. Sometimes it's like you you get that steal, you create that turnover, and you're close to your own try line. And it's like your the go-to move is to clear the ball, right? So it's like if you clear the ball, the other team gets the ball back. Um, so it's like you gotta maybe I don't know, maybe you gotta figure out the way to get around that and stuff. Yeah. And it just I think too, like the, the the thing that helps that helped Toronto a lot and it helped Atlanta a lot when N- Atlanta beat Nola the week prior. Um, was, like, sometimes, like, in the first half, it's, like, the box kick was working really well for them, and they were able mm-hmm. to, like, regather it and gain some, like, you know, territory, gain the possession back. Yeah. And then in the second half, it started to... I mean, as... I as also it, think that this a, is probably... Ross... of the ball literally flying behind yeah. them
0: after, like, it just... It, it wasn't clicking. I so also think that that this is probably going. Ross Brody's worst game. I think that him taking the ball out, out of the ruck, especially in the second half, his... his you know, uh, distribution of the ball is a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, that might have been Nola doing it bigger, being a bigger pest at the at the at the rock with the rock arrivals. Um, his box kicking wasn't the be- Wasn't his best. Um, I think that if that's another thing that I, that I think needs improving is that I think that Ross will also look back at that game and go, "That probably wasn't my best game." Like that that connection between him and and Taylor in the second half just did not. Yeah. And I don't think like Higgins was. I think at that par or maybe a little bit better take away that, that offside penalty kick.
2: But yeah. Like, yeah. I think
0: it would like, that was just weird. That was just, sometimes. that was just was a fluke, fluke but it's I, I fluke, really, think...
2: but it's also like, it kind of sums up the second yeah.
0: half of the game. Yeah, over. exactly. Um, are we, uh, yeah. Um, who was someone that impr- uh, impressed you guys from, from Nola? Who was someone that like, oh. I, I got a couple guys and a lot of they're all, all, all of them are Canadian, the Canadian boys really, really came out on fire and, and just Absolutely. Uh, fed them their lunch and especially in the second half. I'll be even you know what Eric Howard in the first half Howard was good in the first half. He He was one of honestly he was probably one of Nola's best players. I'm really I'm really happy that he had a great game and 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 Stu I'm interested to see if if you agree with me. But seeing Eric, you know, being on the bench and stuff like that after what he's put in for Nola in Canada in the last three years since since MLR has come around, it's it still makes my heart happy to see him put in a, a good shift and 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 his running is so impressive. He's such a small, he's such a stocky short guy. Him and Ray Barkwell for, for like it's just like they're just two stocky short guys that are hard to tackle and like the guy used to like he used to like train horses or whatever on his farm in Ottawa. Like he he is hard to take down. Uh so
2: Eric Howard actually had the most defenders beaten of all NOLA players in this game with 4. Um, so ball in hand, defenders beat. And so the uh, second was Julian Dominguez, who I mean we I'm sure we could figure out the plays where he beat some defenders on that one. Uh, and um, third was the other amazing Canadian performance from Nola in this game, which was Lachlan Kratz. Um, so he had three. I thought like I mean Kratz I thought was he was amazing in this game. Kratz um, was
0: great. He Kyle oh, obviously was great.
2: Like yeah, exactly. Bailey was great too. Um, I think like for Kratz though, I think. Obviously, JP Duplessis was supposed to be um, starting in uh, in the thirteen jersey, and then you know Kratz had to had to fill in for him. And it kind of looks like Nola designed their game plan with the fact that JP Duplessis would be wearing that jersey in mind, and then just kind of let Kratz run with it. Um, didn't change it, and I thought I mean I thought he did brilliant in this game. Mm-hmm. I thought there was. You know he he tackled well on defense he got involved at the breakdown he had like i think I, he was at 10 breakdowns um so he got involved in the physical element of the game he did great with the, uh, with the ball in hand as well um he had 77 meters um during the game which was second on the team um first among all backs though and you know, he had some really big plays too. Like he had that that one really nice offload or that one nice like run and offload to Damian Stevens that eventually led to the penalty that led to Cam Dolan's first uh, the first Nola try of the game. He had another brilliant play too where um like Ben Lassage was just bearing down on him and connected completely but he got just enough of the little like the little flick on the ball to keep the ball moving on. And Nola was able to gain quite the, uh, you know, quite the amount of territory and stuff after, after that too. And, you know, he just, it was a really nice example of a player just being like, I'm going to have to, if I'm going to make this play, I have to take this hit. And he did it to absolute perfection. And yeah, man, I mean, it was brilliant to see like, you know, f- for that to come out and put up that performance in, in your
0: first, like your first, first
2: MLR game, your first MLR game, and probably a game too, based on the lineup announcement the day before. Probably not a game that you were maybe expecting to start either. Um, just to kind of to walk into that and be like, he he is on the uh the MLR first fifteen of the week, like yeah, on his on your first your first go around in in the league, man, like. Um, I don't know what I don't know what's up with JP2 plus C, but if if you know if he can't come back, it looks like Nola's got a pretty good option. You know, it's like it's one of those it's one of those games where it's kind of like it makes you excited for like what MLR is doing. Because yeah, like, and- wh- wh- like he like where else would he be playing if it wasn't for MLR right now, right? And to kind of see him put together that game in his like it, it was, it's an amazing, it's amazing to see. Um, like what a, what an absolute amazing first performance. Um, we're talking about all the great things that he did. If you want to get a little snarky and a little cheeky too, he had a real nice block on Spencer Jones on uh, that final <laughs> try. Um, but I mean, you if,
0: know what? We, yeah. we can't say anything because we got, we probably got a, a, a call for our, ourselves against, uh, New York with with the Mike Shepard play, you know we're going to see those kind of plays until TMO comes into effect. Um, oh, I mean you can still, yeah, that was you you can still, can still complain, complain about, about it. it.
2: <laughs> you can still, you can complain about anything, Dan. No one's going to stop you from complaining. It's just people can choose to ignore you or not. Um, okay, well I'm, I'm like going joke, to choose to ignore you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh p- most people do. Um, But I mean, like joke jokes aside, I thought Lachlan Kratz did have did have a great game and. Um, you know, I thought like Nola was just I thought I think the other guy that really impressed me in this game too, um, the non-Canadian, I guess, would be Damien Stevens. I thought yeah, when he,
0: he came to come off the bench and, and like yeah. it's so, so weird because he did that in a previous game in the year. And then I thought we all kind of decided, yeah, OK, Damien Stevens is a starter. He, he he showed that he is. And maybe so what he had, maybe a bad game against Rugby ATL last week or like, I, I don't get why he didn't start the game. Same thing with, with Andy I, Ellis. I mean, I, think, I think Nola, I,
2: I think Nola really likes Holden Younger. I think like I think he's a good player, a good scrum half. I think funniest I, guy on the pitch. Yeah, he's he's got Dumb some nuts. Too. He's got some <laughs> chirps. Um, I think though, like Stevens, when Stevens came into the game, man, like that was to me, like, because to me, even like the first like 10-ish minutes of the second half, like the arrows like looked a little bit different. Like, I think the momentum was definitely shifting towards Nola's favor, but you know it, it it didn't hit that sort of almost dominant possession number um until after stevens came in and it was just right. like it was quick it was the quick ball it was the you know finding guys like lachlan kratz able to like open up holes and stuff finding um you know being able to run those support lines so after kratz opens up that hole initially he's got somebody to offload to um you know, nice, Change of directions on, you know, say like Dominguez is, is uh first try or whatever, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, being able to identify that hey, like, you know, there's you know, maybe there's a favorable like sort of two on two matchup with the, uh, you know, shortened Stevens going toward the cor or shortened Dominguez, excuse me, going towards the corner. Um, I think, yeah, like, so I, I thought Stevens did a great job, and obviously, too, like, he came in and you know, he didn't have a perfect kicking game himself, but he made the clutch kicks when it mattered. Um he had, you know, on when Taylor Adams got his penalty um for kind of holding up the uh the rock. I think that was the biggest issue that the arrows had as far as the penalty count is they came so fast and so consecutive from each other. And that's what ultimately ended up with Well they
0: looked gassed near the end of the game. Yeah. Like, like it just they uh, it was just you know, I think so Flesh had a had a good game for me, Mason. For Flesh, Arrows. yeah, man, um, he had a great game. But like near the end of the game, you could tell he was gassed Like hands on the hips, like and and like it, it just like I think it was just how aggressively hard Nola was running the ball and and, and you know, shoving it yeah, down Barrows really throats. It just it, it makes you tired, and that's when mistakes kind of pull up.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah. I thought yeah, Mason Flesh was. I thought this was Mason Flesh's best game.
0: And we'll get into that. We'll get into the to to uh, the arrows. Um, Stu, was there anybody from NOLA that that kind of stuck out for you? We kind of mentioned a couple Canadians.
1: Well, the thing is, I would have wanted to say as an Ospreys fan, Hanno Dirksen. um, You know, he's normally a winger, but this game he was playing fullback. That obviously went out the window as soon as he got a yellow card, and then. Looking back on the game, when you see Dominguez's second try, you can see Hanno Dirksen score a try himself, as in he just dives into the try zone and then gets up and hugs Dominguez with all the other guys. And I'm like, what? What? What was it's, the it's point a, of that? It's it, a it, celebration. It's it's like a I'm, I'm it's a solidarity try. It's. <laughs> It's weird because I don't think I've ever seen him do that at the Ospreys. And I was like, okay, maybe he was like made a trip and he was just going to, you know, I'm going to recover by pretending. To... He was walking perfectly fine. Maybe he was just excited, Stu. Maybe, I mean, hey, no, no. He probably, be excited. It's it, still weird.
2: It be, it's yeah, still it's weird. Right. Yeah. It's a
0: weird celebration.
2: You know what? Yeah. In fairness, Dan, I don't think too many guys on the Ospreys know how to celebrate.
1: Oh. 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 how. Oh oh and, and we and we you know I'm gonna it's, not not that wrong, one, right? it's just hurtful uh, wow 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 i'm it's away He's hurtful, right? it's, it's <laughs> suddenly... oh there's
0: there's nothing but facts on this podcast we've had Jeff opinions. on this
1: podcast Uh-oh. as well
0: um okay well then let's get into the arrows Then who who impressed you from the arrows um i think that you know there there's a couple guys i think that uh, quatron had had a had a good game i mean he's been kind of battling injuries and 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 kind of dealing with you know Jack mcrogers having a great season so uh, i was happy to see him have a good game um i think that tommy delavega had a had a pretty good game too like you know he made a sweet play to uh, you know uh, that that you know finishing pass for uh, montero's first uh, first he, uh, had 17 tackles
2: and do you want to take a guess at what his percentage was again this
0: week?
2: 100%. Again. Again. Dude doesn't miss,
0: man. Yeah, so so and you know it, it's funny because I think he's just un- super underrated especially when you compare it to the backline. I mean, Rumble has just been like a ball hawk all season, you know. He's having an MVP season. You know, um you got Deanna who really has picked it up and he's just been, you know, this ball carrying monster. You know, he's done so well with his ball carrying and dominant tackles and stuff like that, but I, like Tommy just—he's just so well-rounded. He does all the things well, you know. He—he he almost is never being tackled f- for loss, you know. He's, he he—you know—he's always making gains on his on his his carries. Uh, might not be super big like Diana, but you know he always does a good job of trying to get a few meters. Um, and he's just so, one of the best defensive players in the league. So I want to give Tommy a little bit of credit for yeah, no, uh, for having a good game.
2: I still think Tommy De La Vega is one of the best signings in MLR's brief history so far like maybe maybe not maybe not the biggest name doesn't have the name recognition of say like a Gita or a you know Rob Shaw or you know or Nanu or anybody but like I think that was that was something that really addressed the need that the Toronto Aeros had and you know now we've seen him in the full a uh, full season for the first time you can really see what he brings to the club and you know it's yeah, he, he's been he's been standing out quite a bit, and just like it's like I mean, you have a guy that can make like fifteen to twenty tackles a game and not miss like that's a big asset yeah. to a team. Yeah, fortunately, also has two of those guys.
1: I was going um, to say to complement the South American backline that we have, um, I got to give credit to uh, Lavis for coming in after Tuklet's, uh bad hit and. You know, because obvi- it's obviously a situation you don't expect to be coming in in the, uh, what was it, 27th minute? Yeah. Um, but obviously it was, you know, slotted in pretty much as well as you could. You know, no uh, colliding with the uh, posts on the way to a try like he was, like uh, Tukulet did the previous week. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, did, it, did his job. And um, unfortunately, and after seeing us in 2019, like, split defense left, right, and center in whichever direction he was running. Um, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, I, I like to see, I want to see him score a try again because I know it's going to be uh, exciting to watch. But, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait until I, that happens. I want to see every
2: arrow score a try again. Oh, yeah. I do enjoy watching arrows
1: players score tries. I do enjoy that as well, especially in both halves. So, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah uh Derek who was there anybody I know you kind of mentioned one guy already but who who impressed you from the arrows
2: yeah like I said earlier I thought this was Mason Flesh's best game um of his of his young M L R career, he's such uh, had, a strong tackler. Yeah, had a couple. He cranked Dolan, man. At one point yeah. during the Which game, he is, is a hard dude. To yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go back and find like the clip and like put it on Twitter. He he had a pretty good hit on Cam Dolan. Honestly, Cam, Cam Dolan also, also, me, also played really well. Cam Dolan had a really yeah. good game playing Cam out. Cam
0: Dolan one, is my man. rugby boogeyman. Like either with the U S. or Nola, he just always whenever he has the he's, ball sends a chill down my spine. Like he's just the yeah, He's
2: he's not, not fun to play against. No. That's for sure, man. Um, but yeah, so like Flesh, I thought he did well. Um, you know, despite the Toronto Arrows lineout struggles in the game, um, you know, he, he did manage to get a couple steals on uh the Nola Gold line out too um and you know had a had a handful of had a handful of lineout takes and i think we
0: got a shout out to kyle bailey for having such a strong game as well yeah kyle, kyle bailey was kyle bailey
2: and cam dolan were you know some of the reasons why um the lineout struggled um for toronto same with De- devin short i think had a lineout steal too um devin short i think was another another guy that really impressed me on nola um i feel like San Diego is maybe, maybe regretting that, that trade a little
0: oh, bit. Oh, for sure. I mean, just their back line is pretty, pretty. you know. I mean, they, they, they got a great back they row. They got a great but, back row, but like, especially when you when you see it as like, it's almost like it's like Rob Shaw for short. That's yeah. the way I kind of view it, just because of the fact that like that's... They, I mean, they that's that would only be... I mean, cash.
2: realistically, I think San Diego's back row is like... Is good. It's like, it's the best part of their team. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, sometimes a guy has to go, but it's like, you know, I, I feel like with the way he's been playing, that's going to be kind of one where the lead kind of just like, ah, man, we're maybe, just maybe me. A as a
0: Leafs fan, seeing guys like Alexander Steen and that stage and go off and have uh, amazing careers with other teams. And, you know, Alex Steen winning. Or, the, uh, State Cup, well, the, the
2: one thing that I always remember is like, uh, yeah, it hurts. I, the, I know uh, how they feel when the expansion draft for the Vegas Golden Knights, and then all those guys that every team were like cut and didn't want just started putting up four holes. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, William Carlson, William Carlson, and Jonathan Martian Salt, They all, all oh, having yeah. career years. Yeah. Get to the Stanley Cup final. Um, but yeah, exactly. Um so I don't know, maybe maybe I don't think Devin Short's playing quite that well, but you know, it's uh this
0: the season is young. We'll see.
2: Season is young. But hey, you know what? Something about those teams in gold. Maybe you shouldn't uh, maybe you shouldn't trade guys to them for oh for, for very minimal. Oh I don't know. But yeah, like I think, uh, where man, I've lost my complete train of thought now. Way to go, Derek. You're talking about flesh, yeah, Mason Flesh.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's
2: my too. As the host, I distract yeah. Derek, yeah, distract me, but what know, about hockey? Back on track? Um, yeah, so Mason Flesh, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, lots of big, like you said, lots of big tackles. Um, he was like he was able to defend the line out well, even though the arrows are still struggling with that. But... I also yeah so like and he p- played the full 82 um and i thought again like lucas Rumball. i mean i know his team lost but i mean if you if you watch this guy play one game and you don't think he's the best at least at the very least the best you know open side flanker in the league right now um you know i then yeah, i don't know what to tell you watching him play in this game um he he also he had an immense tackle count too he had like i think he had fifteen tackles, no, yeah, fifteen, yeah, fifteen tackles, yep, um and you know, and flesh also had fourteen, so that was your top three in tackles was those three guys. I thought Ben Lesage also played really well, um kind of highlighted that huge hit on kratz, um but there was also you know i just i just think like if you kind of watch Lesage, i think. You know, he's probably one of the best defensive 13s in the league. Um, he might be the best defensive thirteen in the league, but that team in LA signed some Adam dude and he's pretty good. Um, but, but yeah, so it's like it's another good like I think that's the one thing. It's like the Arrow's best players have are kind of, you know, typically their best guys, like guys like Rumball, Delavega, Lasage, Lesage um, are coming through. I thought Touchle, I thought, was playing well until he got hurt, and hopefully he's okay. Um, hopefully Carl Mayer is also okay because that was a you know that's one of those tough ones where it's like that's a that's a good rugby play. Um, like good contest with a bad result. Um and you know, hopefully those guys are both fine and uh we'll you know be back on the pitch in in no time. Um yeah, uh
0: going on. It's like anyone else so we I thought Cortez um first. Cortez start, had a strong was, game, and you yeah, know it's it's yeah. hard because he's been kind of the scapegoat for a couple of games, you know, with his red card and then and then the, the yellow card against LA he's been kind of put up as a scapegoat. Yeah uh, but the last two games he's really kind of yeah played
1: I
2: thought, better. I, so I, I thought in the game. first in the first half too I thought like like Toronto looked to have the upper hand on the scrum. I thought Cole Keith was doing well scrummaging mm-hmm. against Dino Waldron as well, mm-hmm. which you, you know, that's, that's a big matchup because those guys last year were two of the best props is tight head props in the league. And now obviously um, Keith has switched over to loose head side, but you no, know, I thought Keith did well against Waldron in the first half. Waldron's kind of ability to play nearly 80 minutes a night though, is a, uh, you know, a bit of a bit of a separator right now for some of the, uh, um the, the props in the league, but uh, you know, it's, uh, he, he's also like, it's just, it's one of those games where it's just kind of like, like, I, I don't, like to the first half gives you so many like good memories of guys like playing really well yeah and then the second half was just like nola's dominance and it gives you like those like some of the nola players really stick out as playing really well in this game um but but yeah i don't know it was it was a weird game it was like one. one i feel like in in the second half it was just toronto just you couldn't you
0: couldn't get the ball back and i think you and know, you know what really like, that that reminds me a lot of their first their first game right like they well, they had like the zero... first game,
2: well the first game against nola was they
0: like they, no no, no they, sorry they, first game of the season like against oh, atlanta game, uh, like they yeah. could not get anything together offensively in the second half and, and you know let's talk about uh about their upcoming game so you know they've got two more games before their their bye week at week 10 um so they're they're going a long time before a bye week you know yeah. basically yeah. halfway through almost more than halfway through the season uh they before they get a bye um they play rugby atl and then they play houston yeah. um you know this next game against rugby atl not only you know we're we're going to talk about it uh We're going to talk about it later, but like it's going to have bragging rights because it's something that they they just announced. But also when you look at the standings, like right now the arrows are, are three and four. If they, if they win out, if they win the next two games, especially against rugby ATL and against Houston, this will be, there'll be above 500 for the first time this season. You know what though? And, and the way, the way that the the East is looking, it's not, that's not important. Like, you know, like, there there's a very real chance that the playoff teams that make it this year might be 500 you know the east might be like that might be like the NFC East in the NFL where yeah. like the the top team barely had a winning yeah. record like that the just two how...
2: teams the two teams that make the playoffs in the west might have a combined three losses but yeah yeah
0: so you know it's maybe yeah, being 500 is not important but like but the, but this rugby ETL game is going to be really I think it's going to be like the crazy thing, really though, in the league, and it's like,
2: like you, you do kind of look at it. So you got, I'm look, I just p- pulled up the standings on um, Major League Rugby here, and so you got, you got New York in first at four, four two and O, oh, um, with nineteen total and, points
0: and a game in hand.
2: A game and hint only on Toronto, though not on every. Yeah, Tor- I know, that's, that's what, I, that's what, what I'm yeah. looking at. Yeah, game of hint on Toronto. Yeah, and then you have, but then you also have, but in sixth you have Old Glory DC at two, three, and one, with thirteen points. So Old Glory DC is like, if the cards fall right, is like what a two game winning streak away from going from worst to first, right? Like it's
0: that doesn't that doesn't give me confidence. No, it doesn't chance. always <laughs> happen. No, of course
2: it doesn't <laughs> always happen. But but I think, like the East has just everyone's beating each other and stuff right now. And it's, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of looking at it and like, yeah, I think this is just going to be, See, like this game just hurts till the end game of the just year.
0: It hurts me more because of the fact that it was an Eastern team, like the LA yeah. and the Utah games. Like, okay. Yeah. If you, if you <laughs> lose <laughs> to the West, I don't, but yeah, lose. I don't losing care losing that, that East game.
2: Team. But I mean, like if you kind of look at it, like right now, like Toronto's it's, it's interesting looking at, like, if you can kind of, win a game or whatever like Toronto's point differential is so much better than every other team in the like in the but I mean is that game.
0: part of the two the two blow every win is a yeah, blow two blowout. yeah and every yeah, loss but that, is it doesn't matter
2: it's just a point differential is your point differential right it doesn't matter how you get to that point. Difference. But when when your but sample
0: size is two fifty win games and the rest of them are yeah, close, games, and, like in New York, that, point, those are outliers. They might New York's
2: know. and New York's point differential four two and zero top of the East is minus forty one. Yeah,
0: no, they so, are they are going to crash and burn if they keep on playing the way they're playing. That but, I that I agree with.
2: But yeah. my my point is though is that that being the tiebreaker, Toronto right now. Is miles oh, ahead of every other team in the yeah, tiebreaker. Yeah, good point. Right. So like because you have the New England score free- tries, baby. Yeah, the New England the New England free jacks are plus twenty. So but I think the point though that really I kind of want just to kind of keep though, is is like you get back. So it's like you said, if you can beat Atlanta, if you can beat um, who do they play after? Houston. You can beat Atlanta. You can beat Houston. That brings you to nine, nine and four going into the bye, or five and four going into the bye week. Just, yeah, throwing a couple wins. Those and, wins are double. In oh, honestly, in 2019, when the Toronto's made the playoffs, they were four and four after eight games. Yeah, like they were just sitting yeah, on five hundred, right? They are at after seven games. The Toronto Arrows are in the exact same spot that they were in 2019, and that mm-hmm. year turned out all right. Um, yeah. they went on an insane winning streak and made the playoffs. Obviously this year is a little bit different. Maybe don't have like that true, like homestand, homestand. Home stand. Um, but which I might've
0: had a lot of to do with that.
2: Yeah. But, but I think, you know, you gotta be able like, yeah, I don't think with the way that East is going, I don't think, I remember when we did our like season preview, I think we were talking about how like you could probably make a legit argument. For, for any, any of one teams. of these teams finishing winning the conference, and any one of these teams finishing last, and I think after uh, what are we on after seven weeks, I still think you can make a legitimate argument for oh, any for one sure. of these teams finishing first and any one of these teams finishing last. And yeah. the the East is the East is nuts. Like no like no disrespect to the Western Conference, but like the entertainment value right now is in the East and the Gill teams um with with this league <laughs> yeah. like that's that's i that would be interested to look at
0: what's what's the eastern conference's record against the west that that would be an interesting stat to look up Ooh, i'm not sure yeah. i'm sure if uh Stu, if you have anything to talk about
2: i'm sure we could tell dan to look that up real right, quick well i think Wait, okay. the, issue, the talk, issue for me Stu, I'll, is, I'll look it up
1: the issue for me is that the um the way that the bye weeks fall is that we'll probably get the best representation of where we are in the league or where the league is. After the bye week, after the Arrows yeah. bye week, right? Yeah, yeah. so so it'll be after week 10, so on May Yeah, I, I, I
2: agree. After and, everybody has the, the first bye week, you can kind of see and, it
1: a bit easier. And I've, I'm just looking at the um, matchups, is that three of them are interconference games so it'll be like east versus west so we have nola versus uh, the warriors houston versus dc and seattle versus atl and then we have uh, two fixtures that are within the conference and the one that um is interesting for the east is new york versus new england which you know great rivalry that already exists in sport um but the way I'm The point I'm trying to get at is, is that those are games that, you know, could determine how we view the Eastern Conference going forward. Because, you know, we can say at the halfway stage now, everyone's had a bye week. Um, What does this, what does each team now need to do going forward? And only one of those games is, um, has the possibility of a return fixture, which is the New York, New England game. So yeah, I got it guys and, and, and that's it. It? All, all it ta- all it takes is one um nah. you no know, m- one missed tackle, which allows the other one team or the other to get an extra try in, and one team will get five points instead of four or one team will get no points instead what of you one or two, and that can make a major difference in the long that term could. because as as I said um back when we were talking about how we think. Uh, the conference is going to go. I think that the East isn't going to be decided by points, it's going to be decided by point difference. And which it's those and it's those tight margins that help ideally getting the try bonus point and winning is the way you want to go. But yeah. it's those, and it's especially when it's something that is out of Toronto's hands. That because that's the thing. Week 10 is their first bye week. The last bye week is also the final week of the regular season. And at that point, it is going to be a case of Toronto have done all they can, and now we'll have to see how the other teams play.
0: I, I honestly I, have not been paying attention to what Stu's saying because I've been doing math, so I'm just sorry. Me neither. With them outright, um, I,
1: I will boo, add boo, boo, both Dan of you. Fox, boo, so boo! I'm agreeing with
2: you. Just so we can, just so me and Stu can feel like we actually had a conversation here. Although, like Stu, so I, I, I do agree with what you're saying for the most part. I think, um, like bonus points, I think are going to be a big deal just because of how tight the standings are in the East. Uh, like right now, you have one team that's above 500, and that's New York. Everyone else is either right on 500 and the arrows in DC are below it. But, you know, I think that's, that's going to be the separator, man. And it's like, I wonder if we'll start to see kind of like how the arrows sort of played in 2019, where they were like bonus point first and they would just yeah, like, you know, race to get the four tries. And then once they got the four tries, then maybe they would start kicking um, you know penalty goals, if given the opportunity. Um, I wonder if we're going to start to see kind of teams try to do that, just because you're going to need to. And it is also another thing that's probably the most the most disappointing thing about the Toronto NOLA game is that after that brilliant first half, you could they couldn't even salvage a losing bonus point in the table yeah. off of that, which is probably the most disappointing thing about the game in all reality. But um, all right,
0: so so the East is seven and five over the west if you That'd exclude la there's seven and two okay oh. so so la is winning that's bad. yeah yeah, but, yeah. that's yeah. why i brought that stat in because it's a little bit more telling when la is not included but okay. i mean again you take the best of what you got yeah, all right guys yeah. so we got to move on because we got to talk about some of the other games that happened um i want to talk about quickly um the San Diego versus new England game, because mainly there is one guy that really, ha- that really impressed me. And I think uh, Derek for getting me the information. Um, I think Josh Larson had an amazing game uh, captain again, uh, the, the free Jacks to another win 33, uh, 17 um, Josh put in the work, you know, uh, third most tackles on the team. He made 17 out of his 19 tackles. Um, he had 18 uh, ruck arrivals when they were on the offense and seven uh, ruck arrivals when they're on defense, uh, the seven were the most for his team. And then overall, he also had the most for his team as well. Um, you know, I, I think that the nice thing about Josh and why, unfortunately, I think he might be uh, just a, a a utility bench player for Canada is he's just so damn uh, versatile when it comes. to you can put him in the flank or you can put him in, you know, the, the lock, you know, he's not the fastest guy. Like he's not, He's not a saw-mooching type of guy who's going to be a power runner and and you're going to give him the ball all the time and he's going to make some yards. Uh, that's just not his game, but he's so hard-nosed. He makes the tackles. He gets into the rock. He's going to be a pest. He's good at the line-out. Um, and maybe it's just that New Zealand upbringing, but he's just got that that voice that seems to calm refs down sometimes. And he's had to talk to the refs a lot. So uh, good on you, Josh. You, you showed your brother what for. Um, Travis had it, had it, had it, had a, had a fine game coming off of the bench. He's been getting to a lot of like um, yellow card problems this year, which hopefully they can kind of uh, fix because he had another yellow card this game as well. Um, so you know that kind of sucks a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Michael Smith had a little bit more time. Came on the seventy seventh minute. Oh-hoo. Uh, so you know a little bit more time um you he know, so. actually yeah
2: he actually played uh pretty efficiently
0: once again in that minute too so we are still on the free michael smith campaign get him more minutes <laughs> i know again it's hard with this lineup you know you got veramula at six Sam Muchin, who's having a an amazing season and then uh I, we're talking before that before the podcast was recording about eagles players and uh Tavita Tamala, who's their captain and eight man, he's been having a, a strong couple of years. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But you know, this kid is showing that he can be efficient at the breakdown. And, and you know,
2: yeah, he had he had uh, three ruck arrivals in his three minutes, so it's a it's a good pace. Had a tackle. Yeah, seven carry meters again. I
0: mean, I mean. What else do you say? you know they seem to be adding pieces like you know they got Tion Lutz, who is kind of a a a really good player for Houston joining the team and Cameron Clark it's, yeah, it's just they're so battered. like I think Brian last in the beginning of last week showed like their like injury report, like they are battered and bruised, so hopefully they can uh start being a little bit more competitive because I always thought San Diego was the bad guy of the league, you know. I wanted them to always kind of do well. And it looks like the other California teams taking that over. Yeah. The the
2: good, the good team that nobody wants to like, but everyone kind of maybe secretly does. Um, Did you see uh, Travis Larson's Instagram post after the game? I said something about coffee.
0: He's a big coffee guy. So no no, has nothing. Why would I bring up coffee? That's I don't know. That's the
2: only thing I can think of. It was his post about playing against Josh Larson for the first time. It's oh. actually, like, really touching and nice, and you want oh, to...
0: Oh, uh, that's right. nice. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it was nice. It was
2: actually, like, they posed for a pick inside the uh, the Coliseum in their kit still after the game, and...
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, they've yeah. always played, like... Last year, they never got a chance to play each other, and they always yeah. played on Austin. Yeah, so apparently apparently, this is the first time that
2: Travis and uh, Josh Larson have actually played against each other uh, outside of their... Also, backyard. two guys
0: said look nothing alike. Yeah. <laughs> like, they look nothing alike. It's hilarious. I Listen, I have really grown to appreciate josh larson as a rugby player this season i think that he just brings so much to the free jacks and i think that he he can bring so much to canada like he showed so much you know everyone talks about him going to the the, the spring box and apologizing for his red red card and stuff like that like he did good the
2: beer though he got he didn't accept the beer he should have drank the beer should have chugged the beer all right,
0: um, Derek, you wanted to talk about the L.A. game.
2: So, yeah, so on to the other game that happened at the Coliseum, um, L.A., D.C., um, L.A., again, another game where the turning point was uh, the bus that was the Guiltinis were on arrived safely to the stadium. And, you know, they just, man, like I, I, like, I don't know, like, this is one of those games and kind of like looking at the stats, and I think everyone always you know, kind of gushes over how great and efficient their attack is, which is true. Um, but they played some like really good defense in this game. Um, they had 148 tackles at 93%. So they, they made life miserable for a lot of the Old Glory car- um, guys, especially the guys carrying the ball. Um, Old Glory is another game too where LA wins by having less possession and less territory. But it's like when they get the ball, it's the, like there is no team in the league, I think, that can score as fast as L.A. can from yeah. genuinely any situation. Um, that one try where um, J.P. Smith pulls the ball at, like, out of the breakdown and it's like your loose head prop is going to put like a nice little dagger grubber kick through the back line um for for DTH Vandermeer to run onto and it's like i mean like when you when you got props being like you know what we are so good that i'm okay with kicking this ball and not going to get yelled at by my coach for doing it um <laughs> you're probably in uh, in very good shape as a team um i thought though like to like i mean talk about some like tackle numbers like i said like the defense in this like christian Padovin made 20 tackles at 100% as your you know your your open side flanker. Like if that, like if you're if you're doing that, like I mean I know like the scrum was a hundred percent to old glory sixty two, right? Like the lineouts were clicking at ninety three percent. They got some steals. It's like if you're if you're clicking at that rate, like you're gonna like on defense and on on offense like offense especially is just because i I was saying a couple weeks ago i think that i was like after that houston game i was like i wonder if the way to beat like la is to just shove the attack back in their face right like just go with that like all offense kind of style of play and you're kind of watching this game and i'm like that probably won't work because their defense is actually really good too like they're not they're not racing teams to 50 they're Scoring you know like four they're scoring like forty um forty seven points while preventing you from getting twenty right like and and it's happening kind of at the same time, like you know, and you kind of i think you look at the two old glory tries that they did manage to score in the game, right, and it was like the first try you had a uh, Kalinisau with a really nice heads up play to identify that, you know, after a penalty call, the R- R- J.P. Doyle standing on his mark, and then you know, the L.A. defense maybe not quite as set as they would have liked to be, um, and he just did the quick tap, dove into the corner, right? Um, uh, real quick, knowing that L.A. had to kind of wait for him there, and they L.A. maybe didn't react to it, and then the other try was literally they put, like, Old Glory puts the kick in the air, and Bryce just drops it. And yeah. when he dropped it, it bounced right to DeMonte Noble. Like, I don't even think DeMonte Noble broke stride or changed direction. I think it like it bounced and then hit him on the, the big American flag across his chest. And yeah. he was just, he's got the speed, he's got speed to burn. So he just, he took off and rightfully so. And it's like, you know, it's one of those tries where it's like, oh, all right. All right like, what can you do? It's basically an intercept try, right? It's not an intercept try, but it's kind of similar in that sense, like, you know when when LA played against Houston, um, they had that that one try that was you know Pendeline, um intercepted the ball and was off, and then uh, and, you know right, and then that that created that try, and like like the ways teams are kind of scoring like like I don't I don't know if we've really seen a team figure out how to grind down LA's defense yet either, and I know I know everyone always wants to talk about the attack and stuff, but I don't I don't know if we've seen it like a proper like grinding out and like beating down this the defense yet either you now and i mean i think it's taken me a couple
0: games to kind of come around to that but like you and you know, know what? what but you know that's not true because you think about it like there's been a couple games where like they've kind of seeped out a couple tries near the end of the game like the seattle game really sticks that's out to thing. my head at the
2: end of the game when you're yeah. up by 40 and but that didn't
0: happen in this this game really like both the, did. well did really well of...
2: both their tries were late like this. This was forty-seven so, to yeah. three at one point, like or forty,
0: yeah, forty oh, to yeah, three fair.
2: or whatever, right? Like, like I mean, I think like that's the thing, though. It's like no one, with the exception of Houston, I think, and like I mean, I think Toronto, Toronto played Nola pretty close, or Toronto played LA pretty closely, with the exception of that ten minutes yellow card, right? But and then that, but that ten minute yellow card was all LA needs because my goodness, do not give this team extra like one less defender to have to worry about um but like i don't know i think that's that's kind of where where i'm kind of like looking at it. It's like i don't think anybody's really figured out how to because what is it that was one of the criticisms of la earlier in the season was the scrum the scrum is destroying people like old glory scrum did not hold up well to this yeah. at all right and it's like i don't know like it's i just like it, it's it, as the season goes on and it's like i know like the idea of them going undefeated um still seems kind of unfathomable to me but it's like at the same time i'm like i don't
0: like i don't know how you beat them no I'm not it's sure. gonna, i mean it's that's going to take them breaking down i think that's what it's going to come down to if they keep playing the way they are yeah. i think the only team that can beat them and i said this before is is uh, austin uh, yeah. This 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 game say- coming up is going New York versus LA. That's going to be a really really a interesting good one. game.
2: Yeah, New this will be a good game this week. Um, I would be curious in watching them play Atlanta. Atlanta is the other team I mentioned. Yeah, because play, it's, play it's, the it's- other team that's like no 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 like play because Atlanta. I kind of love watching Atlanta play, but I think sometimes they're like no no no. You guys can have the ball because you're not going to score. It's fine.
0: It's like, well, yeah,
2: we'll, we'll play defense. Look, here. At, look at that again,
0: going back to Austin. Look at that game against Austin had right. the ball for the majority of the game and they just could not solve it couldn't do anything. Yeah, for like right. they had so many chances. They took Isaac oh, Ross
2: when when Atlanta's defense is on to like it's it's it's, a, a, yeah. it's locked. It's it's a wall. It's a, amazing. You know, Waldron had to have
0: like the game of his life yeah ha- it's not like, a couple yeah,
2: tries you know. d if they're clicking yeah. man it's tough um but you know other things too like canadian performances dth obviously another two tries you know Corey thomas uh played really well too i know kind of highlighted um that podoyvin had you know 20 tackles at 100 percent. thomas was right up there with them or like he was third on the team with 11 and he also had 100 percent with his 11 too um Kind of scary when you actually really look at it, like it's the uh, like at the very least, you know, if you want to if you want to poke arguments on if my you don't think LA's defense is as good as I'm saying, their top three guys in tackles was Padovan, Rogers, and Thomas, who combined for a hundred percent of their tackles made. Um, so, I mean, that's 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 going to be tough to play. That's not that's not yeah. fun to play against. Um, for sure. So. And then, obviously, yeah, so th- Thomas played really well. Stevens, you know, came off the bench um, a little early. Um, but, you know, I thought he put it, he put it in a pretty solid game, too. Um, so, it's like, they're, they're kind of rolling uh, another game. Old Glory didn't have any of their Canadians in.
0: And Old Glory just seemed a little discombobulated. I mean, everyone. You know what? I think, I think it's like, how many points can you go? I think,
2: like, in a weird way, like, I wonder how much LA gets in, like, team's People's heads, heads a little bit yeah you scored like, one it's like right? like how how many tr- especially like you look at um, what did they play a couple of weeks ago when they had when it was 21 nothing after like four minutes was that Seattle Oh, okay yeah yeah Seattle right so it's like yeah it's like what do you like that's gotta be like demoralizing a little bit right like that's that's not, that's a tough thing to come back from right and it's like I think they, they can just they I think that's the one thing that LA's been doing really well too it's like You kind of look at when like they're scoring their tries in bunches, and they're doing it at the start of the game. Yeah, right. So it's like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, game's over twenty minutes in. Yeah, it's just you're just kind of playing out the rest of it at this point. All
0: right, Stu. Well, how did you how did you feel about the the last game of the weekend? You you kind of looked at Seattle versus. the New York game, which was such a heartbreaker for Seattle fans.
1: Yeah. Well, I think after having two blowout victories, both in the Coliseum on the Saturday, to then have two turnaround victories on the Sunday, you know, nicely compliments. Um what one for Saturdays for the casual viewer, just a tri-fest in both. And this one is a uh, Morphe the purists, but not in the uh not not in the coded way of the pur- <laughs> um no this uh so in the same way of like the opening 40 for Toronto was really like highlighting their strengths and their capabilities. It was the same for Seattle. This was the, like the Seattle of old, the Seattle of 2019 that um, we thought was long gone, but you know, they came back Ross Neil, obviously using his uh, experience from being at London Irish over the winter, you know, First tried blitz through the defense, uh, you know, made, what's his name? Uh, Ben, I was going to say Ben Lesage, that's completely wrong. Uh, Ben Foden looked like uh, a dummy by simply just sidestepping him and going the other way. I thought that was hilarious to watch. Um, And then in the 41st minute onwards, it all went back to New York and it was a case of it wasn't even so much a case of, oh, you know, they scored more tries because I don't think they did. I think they only scored two, if I'm correct. It's just that they were able to capitalize on the penalties that uh, Seattle conceded, especially those in the first half. And then obviously the penalty uh, right towards the end of the game. That, you know, and it's the same question of should, could, would have, of, for, like, Kieran Joyce and Matt Turner, if they had scored their penalties, you know, they would be with four points at the end of this game. But, unfortunately, they only, work, they only walk away with a bonus point. Um, but, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Uh, you know, considering especially, what, two weeks earlier, they were, they were the, the losing end of, like, the biggest deficit in an MLR game ever. So, you know, Seattle is um, coming about. Um, Canadians that I want to point out are, you know, I think the front row for Seattle, uh, well, the forwards, sorry, for Seattle. Yeah, obviously we got uh, Justice Tears DeRue, who was doing everything he could in scrum and in the line-out. Jake Ilnicki, I think, had a good game as well. Um, George Barton and Nick Taylor, they... um, both subs off the bench i don't think they had enough time to really uh have too much of an impact in the game that um, is
2: nick taylor's mlr debut though so yes another one and he was he's got the the fun distinction of actually being a canadian that got drafted in the mlr draft too
1: yeah is one of the, uh, yeah it was i think you mentioned it was like the only uh canadian and yet seattle found a way to yeah of course because of
2: course play. seattle would be the team that yeah,
1: that. yeah that was um Ultimately, I think this was a game that was, you know, the most engaging for fans to watch because it was so close as opposed to uh, Nola going eight points uh ahead of Toronto. and especially like that last uh penalty going just wide from Turner that was, yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking because I believe that. Seattle are now on a let me get this right. One, two, three, four games? Uh th- yeah, this is a three-game losing streak now. Um, and but they only have one victory this season. And they're gonna be kicking themselves because they knew that they should have taken this game and you know, maybe get back into their stride, you know. Obviously, the the team has made like some big signings over the past few weeks, so maybe in the coming weeks they'll be fitting into the squad, and there'll be more of a turnaround to the <laughs> Seattle of old. But at the moment, it is it's um, it's just a fatigue. I think of hoping this team could be like they used to be. You know, they're the only team with stars above their logo because they're the only teams that have won the entire thing, and what they are at the bottom of their conference at the moment and yeah. the bottom overall like yeah they're on seven points total the next next in their uh, league is Houston on 12 and in the even old glory are on 13 yeah no
0: it's hard because you want this league to do well, right? So you never want a team to have a, you know a, a bad season because that means that fans might not show up, and that means you know like ticket sales are going to be down and you know it's going to have an impact on the club. You know if it's if it's like the NFL or the NHL, NBA, I'm like I don't care. That team can suck all they want. They got <laughs> they got the the, the roots in the ground to survive. So yeah, I I I I feel that sentiment about uh, Seattle is like, you know, they were I, I've mentioned it numerous times. They were my my first MLR team because of all the Canadians they had on the team. They've been our uh, you know our our adopted team uh, for for years. So it you know hopefully they can string a couple wins together for the home fans and and make a good run of it. Um, I did want to mention that's
2: the type of attitude, which is why you must be loving the Eastern Conference right now.
0: No, and Eastern Conference makes me vomit because of how <laughs> stressful it is. Um, I did want to mention. Oh, what do you want? What do you, what do You want that? So I want big. the arrows to be undefeated. I want. That's what I want. You're like I want. I want, I want the arrows to that, beat like, Nola.
1: Yeah. I want that. I want the arrows
0: to. Da- damn it! I want the arrows to beat Nola for once. I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Dallin Stanford. Uh, he had a busy, 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 busy weekend. Uh, he called like three out of the four games uh, this weekend. So. You know, uh, you know Dan power w- was off for the weekend and stuff like that um he just did so- he, he, he's such a fun guy to, to listen to and he's done such w- great work with 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 world rugby in the sevens and, and now MLR. LR and uh, so shout out to him and uh, the rugby network made like a little clip of like all the funny things he said over the weekend and it's just so good so uh, shout out to Dolan for ha- for having a great weekend. Um, all right, guys. Let's jump into the latest news uh, to kind of uh, close up the show. Um, there are a couple interesting signings this week. Um, we'll start with uh, with Rooney, uh, Juan Manuel uh, Louisimo uh signs with Rooney. I'm I'm sure I have butchered his name. Sorry, uh, Juan Manuel. Guys, this is a this is kind of a, a sledgehammer in the middle of the week kind of signing. I mean, he was supposed to play with Seattle last year, and then you know visa problems. Covid, that never ended up happening. Um, what does this mean for Rooney? Because he's he is a like legend, you know. Eighty seven caps 87 for yeah. eighty seven caps for for Argentina. Uh, he's played in almost you know every league. Uh, you know he's played with the London Irish, um, Stead uh, Français, um, Jaguares. He's been all over the world, so he is a kind of a legend. He's played in how many World Cups? Two World Cups. Yeah, two World Cups. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this signing? Because this is is an interesting one, especially with his age.
1: I think it was four World Cups.
0: Four World Cups? Let's go. 2007, 2011, 2015. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. I missed it.
1: 2007 and then 2019. So he's twice as good as appearing in two World Cups. <laughs> That's what Dan said. Um, but, um, that, well, something to remember is that he was originally signed to join Seattle last year, but, of course, visa issues meant that he couldn't join. Uh, and then, obviously, COVID said no to the rest. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who has, like, lived and breathed rugby since he was a kid. I'm um, looking at He... Uh, Start playing amateur rugby with the Santiago Lawn Tennis Club. Uh, If you find that weird, know that most rugby clubs are called football clubs, so it's fine. Um, He's won uh, the URBA championship both years. He was in Buenos Aires or uh, with Buenos Aires. Um, And that's why he played provincial rugby. He's, you know, he's got a... List as long as your arm of all the places he's played for, and now he's uh off to New York. And you know, he's uh, you know, he's getting on a bit. He's um, a guy who announces retirement from international rugby after the 2019 World Cup when he was uh 35 and now he's 37. But you know, he's six foot three, two, 231 pounds. You know, he's gonna have a bit of an impact. Not only can he provide like the um, physical prowess that has come with being in like the top flight for you know the past decade or so. He also can you know pass his knowledge off onto younger players, and you know I, I'd be interested to see is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be coming off the? Is he going to be an impact sub from the bench? I mean, yeah, th- this is like incredibly valuable experience both from a playing standpoint and a learning standpoint. So I think this is an amazing signing and uh, you know, well done to Rugby United New York. I can't wait to see him play in MLR.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's an unreal signing for New York. I think also too, like kind of looking at their back row with guys like Hermesized and Samisen in it um like maybe it gives you a little bit of that depth too in the event that you know you have a couple of those Eagles poached um during the playoff push and I know. Um, it, it appears that they might be able to come back, like anybody that does play for the Eagles or Canada might be able to come back before the playoffs, but we've seen how tight the Eastern conference is. Right. So it's nice that you can come back for the playoffs, but you got to get there first. And, you know, I think, uh, I think a guy like, uh, like Guzman, um, is, uh, is definitely going to help, help Rooney out in a big way. And, you know, even if it is just a little bit of like passing down the knowledge and stuff too, um, Benjamin Bonasso, too uh young Argentine uh back rower probably fired up beyond belief right now that's got to be really exciting for him and uh, you know I, I i think um i think it's 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 a great signing for Rooney there's nothing really to kind of it's it's always it's always exciting when you have you know some of these these big nine or sorry these big name international legends um joining the league and you know after we thought he was coming last year it's nice to see him come in Uh, actually joining the league this year probably would have preferred him to stay in the Western conference, but you know, that's, it is what it is.
0: And then the other interesting signing is um, Ruben de Haas has signed with, with the uh, uh, Austin Gilgronis just until the test test window has opened up. And then he is out of 5,000, which is interesting, What I don't know. I don't know if it's like, did the Saracens not want him right now? Or I guess, I guess I think it would is that he was released from his cheetahs contract early. I think that the cheetahs contract kept him up until like, I think he's not signed until next season or something like that. It's, I don't know. It's an interesting situation. They've already got two, three fly or uh, scrum halves there already. So uh, it's interesting to see where Ruben settles in. Maybe he's just kind of injury cover and just staying fit. But uh, I thought that was an interesting little signing.
1: Well, um, so according to America's Rugby News, is that one of Austin's scrum halves, uh, Chile's Marcelo to Torrealba, sorry, um, is likely set to head uh, south and join up with the Condores because they have the World Cup qualifiers mm. in June. So, right, it's likely that he's been signed to cover for uh, Marcelo for that time. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Uh, okay. Heck, heck of a depth pickup to pick up a guy that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We need probably the starter over. for the, for the U yeah. uh, S we, we
2: need some depth at our scrum half the, uh, position who's available. Oh, the, the best scrum half in the, uh, in the country. Sure. We'll take, we'll take him I'm telling you, man, Sam Harris playing some 4d chess out there, man. Like it's, <laughs> he's made, the dude's made some moves this, yeah. uh, this
0: season. And a couple of, uh, cups were announced. Um, the fire and ice cup. I just think it's dun, so dun, funny. Dun,
2: dun, 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 dun. I think it's so
0: funny that I make one on the face on on our Twitter account. Dude, I make ruined, one joke about, ruined, about about Game of Thrones, and you suddenly
2: that game. You ruin that game for the. I jinxed the them. But listen here, here's the
0: thing. I uh-huh. counterbalance that jinx by the fact that every arrows win, I had been wearing uh, my New Jersey, so I was counterbalanced that with good luck. And then I must have tweeted that and I ruined the luck, and it ruined canceled it. out. And then I See, ruined it. I think,
2: I think this is a thing that we, but
0: also do. I also was setting up for a joke. I'm like, either way, like if they lose, someone's going to make the dragon joke, which someone did, of or it's going to be like the wall. See, that's the one thing. It's like,
2: like, I always find funny is it's like people like when you're trying to like chirp a team or use like a pop culture reference to, you know, imply that a team's playing really well. It's always good to check the, the end of the movie. Or the show, (laughs) I think like the most famous one. I think like it goes, and this this isn't like a rugby specific. It goes to like the Titanic, but Mm -hmm. no, but like the 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 uh the Warriors come out to play. You know what happens to the guy that says Warriors come out to play? The Warriors do indeed come out to play, and that dude gets killed.
0: (laughs) Like it's not a good ending for you. Now I know. I did not know that. I'm not going to use that. uh... Yeah, no,
2: you've never seen. Yeah, if you've never seen The Warriors, one great movie. Go watch it. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. Same thing too with like that. Um, I know, like when the arrows kind of first started, a big popular one was that GIF of Leonidas like chopping all the arrows off the shield from 300. And that was another one where I'm like, you know, the guys with the arrows like have like a dominant victory at the end of that movie. Right. Like,
1: yeah. Like, but in that battle, there, there's a reason there's a why whole, the like, sequel no no co- loses.
2: Yeah. No, guy. the, the guys with the arrows win, win that war. They win the battle, but they, the guys with the arrows win that war. Um, All right, well, let's get back.
0: So, so yeah. what do you guys feel about this fire and ice cup? Uh, you know, this relationship between uh, uh, rugby ATL and, and the arrows has kind of grown and, and developed, yeah. especially with them kind of, being uh roomies, so so it's a kind of fun little little banter piece that that will mean yeah. a little bit more for the game this weekend, yeah. I mean,
2: I think like the Toronto, Chris Silverthorne, t- um, to in the, the press conference, he was very you know like vocal of how like you know just kind of like thankful they were to rugby ATL and how you know if it wasn't mm-hmm. for them, then there's the possibility that you know maybe the arrows wouldn't have been able to play, and you know, it's it, it it's a good. It's nice to see like you know, kind of, you know, such a weird situation, but also kind of like a little bit of positivity coming out of it. Um, I think though too, like some of these cup games, like the Texas Cup, or even like the the Cuisine Solutions Cup, and now the the Champagne Cup, and I'm sure Gilchrist is going to have some catchy thing for when you know Austin and LA finally play each other too. Um, like it, it kind of makes you know otherwise like typical regular season games feel a little bit bigger like there's yeah. a little bit something something extra in a play for um so i like it i like the idea of you can only win it like on the road in the uh the previous holder stadium it's kind of fun. i think that's kind of a fun little element to it um yeah. also kind of basically just ensures that they only play for it once a year but um, but, but because, but because you only play for it once a year, it'll be a little bit more special than, you know, a game where it's like, you know, if they play twice in like four weeks and it changes hands twice in that time and it's, doesn't, doesn't seem like as great. And,
1: yeah
2: um, so I kind of like that idea and, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just some of those things that kind of make the, the, like the game a little bit more fun and, you know, we're, we're a brand new league and, you know, I think everybody's still trying to establish traditions and stuff and. To, to be honest, I don't think, I don't think we've really had like a true, proper rivalry in Major League Rugby yet. Um, I just, I just don't think there's been necessarily like that, that spark.
0: San Diego and Seattle might have something to say maybe. about that. Yeah. Do they,
2: I mean, maybe. But do they, like, do you really feel like they don't like they hate each other? Like the, the I think that they hate each other. I yeah, think that yeah. they've played against each other enough to. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we'll see what it looks like this year, but, um. I, but yeah like I think so it's like it's nice to kind of see like some of these games just kind of drum up a little bit of that extra you know put a little su- extra spice on it and um fire and ice kind of it's a cool name so kudos to ever came up to that obviously an avid reader or watcher of Game of Thrones um I feel like there's a lot of MLR Game of Thrones reference I know I'm part of that because I have a column called King, King of, of North. the North but whatever yeah. um it's a, it was a popular show and i guess people yeah. people like to reference it if fire and ice cup is not a game of thrones reference i'm very curious as
1: to where that came from <laughs> um i think it's great i think um it's also it can also be used as a means of like future plans to say for example the league expands to 16 teams or 20 teams and then we have to implement divisions and you know it obviously we've so far then the conferences based on geography which means divisions will probably be based on geography as well and we will have you know maybe toronto and atlanta will remain in the same conference but not necessarily the same division it means that when they do play they may get rid of the rule of saying that it can only be one at the home stadium because if it's a case of they only then go to play each other like once a year then it will just be for that cup um but, you know, and, you know, it's got an interesting name, the red and blue theme, I think, complements really well. Mm. Um, and, you know, and you know, the next day after we got the Fire and Ice Cup, we uh, were told that uh, LA and New York will be having this champagne yes. cup, which uh, should be interesting to say the least. Uh, um, like, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure about you guys. Have, you, have um, New York announced where they're playing?
2: Uh, I think they're playing in Jersey again
1: okay yeah well either either way it's you know this is, this is a game that we because i mean with the it's probably the same in the cuisine solutions cup it's it can only be played once a year so this game is going to be a uh you know for all the marbles so to say. all the yeah. champagne all the champagne yeah. um,
2: i kind of like i like Gil gill
1: champagne Gil gill Gil pain.
2: gill pain yeah I like the um, I like the champagne cup name just because champagne rugby is a frequently used term, and I yes, find that, that kind of that's yes, kind of funny. It's a nice little it's kind of tongue on cheek, done. especially with with it being yeah. LA. that's what Gil, Gil Chris needs, man. He needs to after this Gilly's <laughs> beer thing, he needs uh, we need some Gil, Gil Payne. as a pain.
0: That's Gil what, what people feel like. after after <laughs> losing to them, Gil Payne. Yeah. Do you,
2: like, you want to know what
1: what's Gil really Payne interesting? Like a really bad comic book henchman character or something. So so this is something i've found out is that um when now that fans have been allowed to uh, go to the coliseum and watch the uh guiltini's play and you know they have those inflatable gillies um cans off to the side um fans can actually purchase alcoholic beverages um and in fact they can purchase pre-made cocktails in a can but none of them are guilty or even gilgronies so i am so therefore, I don't know if I want a, like
0: a, a, a martini or a, a Negroni in a can though. Like those aren't. <laughs> I don't want a canned martini. <laughs> <laughs> a canned martini. <laughs> Fine. You see, like it's like a Guinness can with that thing clicking around with an oh, olive. God. Ugh. You don't really go to a rugby match and get a, a, <laughs> yeah, not, a Negroni or... or there's uh, just
2: like olives
0: sitting in the can. It's like, yeah.
2: Ugh, the guy The guy left not, it on the truck
0: the night before. Oh, like, oh. no. Alright, we're moving on, guys. We're finishing off with our predictions. LA versus New York or New York versus LA if you want to go home team. Hold on. I'm looking at the records right now. How is Oh, the, yeah. So so, so right now, Derek is in the lead out. right now. He, he's kind of cruising the wave off of uh, uh, week sixes. Uh, four and one. He's 20 and 16 and one. Stu is still kind of lagging behind, 15, 21 and one. And I am kind of just, I am, I'm 500 right now. I had a good week last week, which brought me back up. I'm 18, 18 and one. The Toonie had a rough week. It is uh, nine and seven. Um. Okay. Derek, how, who are you going with? LA or New York? Uh, champagne Cup.
2: Um, First Champagne Cup, man. It's a big one. Um, I mean, I've said, like, I'm still saying what I've been saying the past couple of weeks is like, until until they lose, even after they lose their first game, like, do you really have a reason to pick against LA right now?
0: Not this team, unless, yeah.
1: yeah. And unless, like, seven of the play of their star players get injured in that losing game, yeah. I'm gonna have to say, yeah, it's LA, yeah,
0: Ellie. get like the, the gill tummy ache right before the game. No, I'm going, then they're LA in well. gill pain. <laughs> yeah, they'll have some gill pain. All right.
1: All right, so, what does the toonie say? So I was saying heads for home, tails for away. They are going with LA.
2: See, even the Toonie knows. Even the Toonie's like, why it would he like, Why what I, would hit, I <laughs>
0: all right? Uh Nola versus Houston. Hmm. Nola. Going with
2: Nola? Nola. Nola at home. Nola's good at home. Nola at home.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with Nola as well. I think home advantage does play a big part and they they know the gold mine and the quagmire that it's if it's rain if it rains, it's definitely Nola. Um but yeah, I'm gonna go
0: with Yeah, it. Nola's a hard one because 'cause they've been tie win loss, win loss, win loss. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, they, they, they've been tossing the wins and losses. It's very much Toronto-era circa 2019. So, they're a hard team to kind of judge. And um, Houston has slowly been trying to put things together. So, this is a really hard one for me. I really want to go with Houston. I'm going to go with Houston. I'm i am going to go with Houston. I. Why not? Okay. Got to start making some – take some chances.
1: The Tooney is going for NOLA. NOLA, okay.
0: New England versus Austin.
1: Mm. Oh, boy. And this is in New England, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Unfortunately,
1: they've only had one game in New England, haven't they?
2: And they yeah, beat, and they, they beat uh, Utah. Yeah, they beat them. So undefeated at home, Stu, if that's factoring into your logic. The it's... fortress that is
0: New England. Has so, Austin been on the road? Did when they lost to Utah, was that at home or was that away?
1: They lost to Utah at home. At home. So
0: I don't think Austin has been. Oh, they they beat Nola at NOLA. In Nola, yeah. So yeah. that's so that's their only away game that they've had so far. I'm going with Austin. I, I, I don't know, guys. They're they're a team I I can't bet against.
1: You know what, Dan? I'm gonna go for Austin as well. Oh,
0: I thought you were gonna be like, you know what, Dan? I'm picking New England.
1: No, that's, said that. That, that's that's Derek. Derek, Derek say, it's your
2: line. In, in in all honesty, just because I hate it when we all pick the same and for no other reason. So
0: and yeah. You've got a little bit of a cushion too. You can make some New far England, out I mean, guesses. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick New England at home. They okay. are gonna look like a genius if they win too. Like that's Tooney. the thing. All right, you Utah you oh yeah, sorry, Tooney. Tooney is going
1: for Austin. Austin, uh, okay. Suck, suck. Uh,
0: Okay, Utah, Utah versus Okay. Tooney's
2: DC. looking like a, like a good week right now. Utah, D.C. Move. Um, the standings. I think if Tusa and Robertson are kind of on their game, I feel like D.C. plays maybe a little too fast for Utah. So, I'm going to go
0: with D.C. <laughs> Yeah. Still,
1: I think Utah have a good record at home except for Seattle um, and they're also coming off a of bye week as well and DC have just faced um, the absolute slacking from LA they're now in a um, training camp in Vegas um, so I think it will be a close game but I think it will go the way of Utah
0: yeah, I'm gonna go with Utah as well. I, I keep on thinking about that uh, Teo-Cruzé combo, and I just think that that's a that's a deadly deadly combo right now. And with with DC's back line still kind of hurting,
1: I'm going with them. And the two knee goes for DC.
2: DC. Internet connection making
0: for a nice dramatic pause. Yeah, that <laughs> <It> was dramatic. <laughs> uh, okay, Toronto versus Rugby ATL. Toronto. Toronto. <sighs> Guys, this is really hard. This is a really, really hard game. Oh, that's oh, I never I, said. It would it be a hard game. I just said I'm picking Toronto. <sighs> <sighs> I'm gonna pick Toronto just because I feel like I. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. What happened to Stu happen to me? Yeah. I don't want that to happen. I mean, we're getting. I don't, it's gonna be. I think it'll be a good game, though, man. I really yeah, it's like, gonna be. A I really game. like the
2: way Atlanta plays. I love. I really like the their defense and the system that they've developed there. And I think much like the first game, it'll it'll be a challenge. But I think I think now the uh, the arrows attack has settled in. Yeah, I think they're year. very
0: much a different um, team.
2: There was a lot of yeah.
0: handling mistakes that have been shored up.
2: Yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah, I feel like. You know, it'll I think it'll be a good and game. And also we've got it'll Montero and Tucolet. It'll
0: be a fun, it'll be that, a fun game. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like, it'll be a good game, I think. Uh but I'll be still uh, back, still back up. Yeah.
1: All I'm hoping for is um points scored in the second half. Which we obviously didn't get in the first yeah. half. Right. All right, <laughs> right Toonie, who do you say? The Toonie says Atlanta.
2: Ooh. Not a very Canadian Toonie.
0: Ooh. Uh, and the last game of the, the week, um, Seattle versus San Diego.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Should we start with the toonie? Yeah. Start with toony the toonie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give I actually need this, this insight and analysis here. The toonie goes for San Diego.
0: Oh, I'm going with Seattle then. If it comes down to two teams that aren't very good, I'm gonna go with a team that I like. I want to cheer for, so I'm going with Seattle. Ooh, they've I, already done me dirty once. I what you know, what's the odds they're gonna do it twice?
1: I think Seattle have proven this week that they have that spark there. And you know, they they and New York were the two teams that arrows but 50 pass each, and New York was better than Seattle, but I think if Toronto was to play San Diego any time before the bye week, they would put like 60 to 70 points past uh, San Diego. So, and also home advantage, um, having the home crowd there to achieve one. And, and even though it's like reduced capacity, the Seattle fans obviously make up enough noise that it feels like a full crowd's there. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Seattle as well.
2: um you know what i've I've heard i've heard what dan said and i've heard what Stu said and i'm looking at our chart here and i see that the toonie has a better record than both of you guys so (laughs) yeah but he also didn't have to deal with the crap shoot that was like the first like three weeks of the league okay but his winning percentage is still better than you guys the percentage, uh, we're going uh, to I
0: want to look at our winning percentage since he's joined the 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 the, the, tur- the competition, and, and the we'll host. see. You do that, then you're the host. Ah, you... uh, that's a lot of work,
2: though. Yeah, exactly. So, right right now, I see okay, the what, only other what? Person in this podcast that is above 500 is the toonie and me. So, I'm sticking with the toonie. That's what's happening, all right.
1: You All didn't have an answer, and you just—that's why
0: you're air waiting air
2: on the air t- air. T- no, exactly. I was waiting. Yeah. So San Diego, it is.
0: All right, guys. Well, uh, I think that's it for for tonight's show. Uh, it's going to be uh, quite the fireworks on Saturday with a, with another full weekend of of uh, rugby. You know, the arrows have got a big game, and uh, hopefully, we will see a little bit of fire on the on the pitch.
2: Shouldn't we be hoping for ice? I think that's the the implementation of the, the team in that game. No? All right, you're just going to shake my head. All right, the podcast is – I'm ending the podcast there now.